always happy to be back. Well, usually, I'm, I mean, that's not always true. Like, <laughs> not, 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 it has nothing to do with you. It has more to do with me. I, um, yeah, this is one of those seasons of life that, you know, I, I don't know if you've gone through those where I feel like in any moment I could just burst into tears. Um, and it's, it's just weird. It's just a hard, just a weird time. I'm going to pray and ask God to help us this morning. So, Father, I, I do feel that. I feel the, the longing and the tug in my heart that I know comes from you. And I'm really grateful for that. I, I get reminded of how relentless you are. And, and in the same moment, I get reminded of how stubborn I am. How silly I can be. Lord, I, I, would, I ask for me and I ask for my friends, that for us here today, that help us sort of relax into receiving the good news that always saves, that always rescues, and always makes life better. We, we need your spirit, however, to make that happen. So that's what we ask for. That's what we're trying to be willing to do, is to receive. Amen. I've, I've got a little, um, it's kind of like a little quiz for us this morning as we get started. It'll, it'll help our conversation. And here's what I want you to do. I'm going to throw some slides up on the, on, the, on the screen. And all I want you to do, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds with each slide, and I want you to formulate a response to each statement, all right? A, a, a succinct response. You, you can jot it down or you can just keep track in your head. It, it's sort of pretending that you, your neighbor or your friend or somebody you know is coming to you with this statement. And I just want you to think, what, how do you respond to these statements? And I'll just give you about 30 seconds on each one. We'll start with the first. This is out of the news this week, kind of Facebook and, and my MSN feed were sort of blowing up with this statement actually. I'm a Christian rock star, and this week I decided to tell the world that I am gay and will no longer be married to my wife. You could have a positive, you could have a negative, all kinds of reactions to that statement. What? But formulate your own response. Go to another one. I'm voting for Trump. I think he is our best choice. Pretend this is your best friend. <laughs> now, you may be really happy or you may have a different... I'm not, I'm not critiquing the response for sure. I'm just asking you to kind of get in touch with your response. What does it evoke in you? Do the next one. I used to be a Christian, but now I'm just spiritual and not religious. How do you respond to a statement like that?
All right, one more. I think the government should ban all sugary cereal. How do you respond? All right, so here, I'm going I'm to quiz this for just a second. Um, of those four, did, did one have a, did you have an emotional response to any of them? Did you feel something when you, when you saw it? Right. What did you feel? What emotion did you experience? As you, as you read those, or perhaps the one you felt the strongest about, how many of you felt sad? How many of you felt happy? Okay. How many of you felt angry? Interesting. So here's good news tonight, or this morning. Um, same notes that I used in the sanctuary last night. Um, here's our good news. I don't know that I have ever made a statement like this, but I have got for you a foolproof response. I have got for you a response in a succinct little sentence that will work every time in every situation. And I'm positive I've never used that kind of language before. But the good news is this will always work. This is like, this is like magic, or, or for those of you, uh, miraculous if you're more Christian than me. So, I mean, this is good stuff. And here's a response, and not to say that your responses were bad or good or anything like that. But if you got stuck, if, if you needed what to say first, if you needed something to do, this will always work. And here it is. Tell me more about that. Is that magic, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? Tell me more about that. It doesn't matter what the statement is. It does not matter. My dog died. Tell me more about that. I think aliens have invaded. Wow. Tell me more about that. Raiders are the best football team. Wow. Tell me more about that. It's, it's, it, well, what I like about it is it, 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 it can sort of get around whatever emotion I'm feeling, whatever sort of impulse I have to respond. And it's rooted in the story of the gospel. It's rooted in the story of the scriptures. It's written as one of the few little bumper stickers we get in the Bible. It's found in James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. In the Greek, what that says is, tell me more about that. Okay, well, not really, but I, I kind of think in my imagination. You can come up with your own sentence. But something along those lines. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I'm not going to say one thing today that you've never heard before. 
There's not a person in this room who has not heard the wisdom that it's better to listen. All of us have probably heard something about how God created our anatomy. We have how many ears and how many mouths, and so we should listen as much as we, yeah, we've all know this. And in fact, none of us have either existentially or intellectually had any opposition to that truth. And so as I've been processing this little passage, I am just haunted with why is this so hard for me? If I know this, I have no bad experiences with this, then why don't I just do this? I want to give you a little, a little background. If you're familiar with the story of, of, the, of, the, of the Bible and, and some of the letters, this is one of those letters. We, we think most likely it was written by maybe the half-brother of Jesus. And, and there's pretty good evidence that this is possibly the very first New Testament part, I don't know what else you'd call it, letter or gospel or anything, that, that in... This is the very first thing that was written down. And, and what had happened was there were a, a, a people who initially came to find faith in Jesus were, were Jewish people. And, and they, they trusted Christ. And I don't know if you've ever been part of experiencing a rebirth within the context of a religious system. But that doesn't usually go well with the religious system. And long story short is life became very hard for them. They became persecuted. They had to flee from the, the main sort of Jewish epicenters. They were being hurt and killed. We even have record of that because one of our heroes who came to faith in Christ before he came to faith in Christ was part of making this happen, we think, Saul who we now call Paul. He, he was trying to kill them, so they, they basically fled and they hid, and life was really hard. And because it became hard, they began to think, oh my gosh, if I had never come to Jesus, I could get, my life wouldn't be so hard. Maybe I should just give up. And, and, and so part of this really tender letter and hard letter is how do you keep, how do you hang on? How do you hang on? Don't give up. But as you know, in your life, when, when life becomes stressful, Sometimes it leaks out in your relationships. That's what I think is happening. That the stress of persecution, the stress of being displaced from where you have grown up and lived in your system, and the stress of your own faith is, is you're starting to fracture in your relationships. And so he drops in this piece of wisdom. I also think that the, the Bible is telling, in some ways, only a couple of big stories. And then every story is helping us understand those big stories. For instance, Jesus gave us this, this summary. Love God and love others. Recently, I've experienced that as quite often as sort of some kind of trump card. Well, I just love God, love others. Yeah, that's, it's just love God, love others. It's not that I disagree with that, but I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a period at the end of the sentence. I, I think it is this ellipsis. It's this way of reading the Scriptures. So when I hear love God, love others, then I'm struck with, 
well, who is God? And what is love? And often for me, when I'm stuck trying to understand the scriptures, I'll just ask myself, is this trying to tell me who is God? Or is this trying to tell me how do I love? And this one really is so nice and neat because it fits right under that. How do you love people? Well, here's a way you can love that is not difficult. It's so simple. All you have to do is listen. Listen. And so then I'm, I keep asking myself, then why is it so hard? I want to love people. I, I thought I might give you a couple of tools on how to listen. Um, this one, um, our friend Francis shared with me. It's really good. And so she shared with me um, from the late Dr. Gary Smalley, something she had picked up, and then I went and did some reading on it. And, he, and Dr. Smalley sort of summarized a lot of his counseling technique into this one little image, and he called it drive-through listening. And it's so brilliant. And, and basically, he was answering the question, how do you listen? Well, here's how you listen. You pretend you are the order taker at McDonald's. That's all you have to do. I, I go to McDonald's, and I, I pull up to the little speaker or the drive-thru, and can I take your order? Yes, you can. I would like a McDouble and a small fry and a large chocolate shake. And really, all I want from the person on the other side of that speaker, this is all I want. So, what I heard you say is you would like a McDouble, a fry, and a large chocolate shake. Yes, that's what I want. That feels great. Here's what I do not want. We have cameras located, and I can see you. I don't think you need a large chocolate shake. <laughs> I do not want any suggestions. Mr. Wheeler, have you considered that, in fact, maybe you're just a little lonely right now? You're trying to, to feed, feed a God-shaped hole with a chocolate shake. Would you consider a salad? No, no. I, I will not consider a salad. I just told you what I want. Drive-through listening is so brilliant. And it, it, it's so easy. And, and all, all I have to do is get the order right. Now, I'm not saying that, that the, sometimes there is some, it, it, the, the speaker's fuzzy and it's weird, and sometimes they hear me say something I didn't say, and so it's no problem. So what I heard you say is you want this, and I can go, nope, no, nope, you misheard me. Here's what I said. And then we can do that several times until eventually we get it right. And then she just says, all right. Pull forward to the first window. So I'm not saying it happens automatically. It may take a little work. But what I'm saying is that what it is not required is for me to interject anything. If I'm going to listen, that's all I have to do. 
I, I will confess that this is, um, in fact, not a, some kind of new technique that I'm unfamiliar with. I, I, you know, I went to Bible college. I've been to seminary. I've taken counseling classes. I've been to lots of personal therapy. I've been to marriage therapy. And I would say across the board, something like that has been reinforced and taught to me all along the way. And yet every argument I've ever had with my wife is rooted in my violation of the drive-through listening. My, um, my anger that gets mentioned in this passage, I, I've discovered in this process of, of life and therapy and counseling, I've discovered that anger is in fact not a primary emotion. It's primary in the sense that it is perhaps the most commonly expressed negative emotion. But it's not primary because it is never isolated and it never acts alone. It is always the front man for another emotion. It could be embarrassment. It could be sadness. It could be loneliness. But very, very often, it is um, the front man for fear. The most common expression of fear is anger. So, I, I'm in this conversation with my wife. And, and it is what I call sort of this anatomy of a, of a fight. My, my wife will, will express to me, you see, she will say something about a need she has, and as I immediately hear that, I know that she cannot have that need. She has the wrong facts. In fact, I know I have met that need. And so what I do is I sometimes will wait for her to finish, but I don't always need to do that because I have enough information to know that she's got the wrong facts. And she is waiting for me to help her with facts. She's not saying that, but I know her. We've been married 35 years. I'm on to her game. And so what I do is I say to her, no, that's not true. Here's what really happened. And, and she always says, wow, thank you. <laughs> thank you for fixing my facts. In fact, you're right. I don't have that need anymore. No, that's not whatever happens. No, what happens is she says something which is very clear she did not hear me. And so, I, I of course remember, she's hard of hearing, and, and she needs volume. See, what she needs is facts and volume, you see, to not have that need. And so, I say it louder. And again, she goes, now I hear you. Now everything's much better. No, she begins, which I don't understand, is to express her need even more loudly, her facts, which cannot be true because they're not the same as mine. And now we have a fight. And that is the exact same fight we have had for 35 years. Here's where this passage haunts me. 
Friday night, I was working in bed before she came into bed on my message. I was going through my notes, and I was just reading. And April got into bed, and so I closed my little notebook, and I put it on the bedstand. And she expressed to me a need. And immediately what I heard her say was, Carl, you are failing as a husband. She did not say that. And immediately I interrupted her and began to share with her my fact of how I was a good husband. And I was... And we got into this little five, and I could feel it begin to escalate. We live in the basement of our house. My wife's parents live above us. And um, uh, that's another story. In <laughs> when they're in heaven, I'll tell you more about that. <laughs> but so I, I tend to usually try to not embarrass myself. But even knowing her dad was going to be trying to go to sleep, I... I heard my volume. I didn't mean to raise my volume, but I did. And I was into this about five minutes when all of a sudden, (laughs) oh, baby, I'm so sorry. Can I start over? Would you tell me more about what you were just saying? What happened was, She scared me. I I don't know what it is. I can't explain what the fear is, but I knew in that moment I became afraid. I became afraid that that something bad was going to happen. I became afraid that that she was going to spin out of control. I became afraid that she was going to see that I wasn't a very good husband. I was afraid that I wouldn't be perceived as the person who could save and rescue her. And it made me angry. And I could not listen. And so I began to talk. And I had just moments ago put the finishing touches on a very fine message about listening. You see, in in all of our years, all of our becoming one together and the help we've received. Never once have we sat at the counselor's office and the counselor going, yeah, Carl, you just need to get louder. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Carl, Carl, you need to to interrupt more often. I think that's going to save your marriage. I told you that there's nothing new coming down today. But what I cannot understand is if I know this, and even in taking my Friday night experience, if in one moment when I realize it and I practice it, it has never failed me. I've made lots of mistakes. I've I've done lots of things where I've communicated, lots of those. But honestly, I can say I have never once said to somebody, tell me more. And that's gone bad for me. You see, this 
passage is not primarily about a technique. But again, it's telling one of the big stories. And one of the big stories is that there is only one God. And that bugs me. Because you see, I have a story of two kingdoms. I have the story of the kingdom of Carl. I can't explain why, after all these years, the kingdom of Carl is, is still a story I cling to. But in our, in our scripture, in our good news today, you, you will see that, that what he's talking about is, is, is centered in this word. The anger of humanity, the anger of man, does not produce the righteousness that God requires. All righteousness can be, you know, sort of read or interpreted as, as the, maybe the character of God, and that, that's true. But, but it is bigger than that often. It is, it is really about the, the good news of God. The, the righteousness of God is the good story that God is telling in the world. The righteousness of God is, can be read as, as the thing that is, is your, your sweet reprieve. The, the thing that if, when I lean to that, I am saved. I am rescued in the righteousness of God. It is the good story of God in the world. It is the way the world was meant to be. But the, the, the kingdom of Carl, you see, is fueled by anger because the kingdom of Carl is primarily about control. The kingdom of Carl is about control and the fear I have when I lose control. My kingdom is fueled and powered by anger. It is dependent in the kingdom of Carl on me being right. It is dependent that I am viewed as smart, that I I insert myself as invaluable. And it needs my words. Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of letting go. Even though hanging on has never worked out very well for me. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? I have no examples of when I have clung to my, my need to be God, to create my own kingdom, when I have used anger and my words and my power to make the world the way I think it should be. I have no examples of how that has worked out very well for me. And so I have been saved by the word, and I keep getting saved by the word, because perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love can listen. It's not afraid. I like that the Bible is good news. Alone that I believe it's always good news. That it, it, it sometimes takes a while to experience the good news, but it's always good news. My um, granddaughter came to visit me this last week, and um, that's always a highlight, and I love that. One night, my wife, during these four or five days that she was here, 
One night, my, my wife was, um, had to travel, so she was out of town, and my daughter was hooking up with some of her old friends that, when she lived here, and, and so I was on Frankie duty. And it was great. We played, and we had so much fun, and, and then it was time to go to bed. And so at 9 o'clock, we started, Poppy started getting her ready for bed. At 10.30, she is jumping on her bed. And I keep saying to her, Frankie, we've, you've got to lay down. Frankie would not, could not hear me. And for one of the first times I can remember in her three and a half years, my volume went up. I literally did think she didn't hear me. But an increase in volume didn't change anything. Now, I've got my own story with my grandparenting and my wanting to redeem some mistakes I have made. So I have vowed that I am not going to resort to the discipline that I did with my children. Not all of it was bad, but much of my discipline when my children were small was rooted in the kingdom of Carl, was rooted in the fact that they violated my need to be in control. And I used my anger to fix that. And I have vowed I am not going to do that with my granddaughter. But I've got to tell you, at 11 o'clock, <laughs> I am so mad. And I felt myself at the... I was enraged. And it scared me. And I couldn't figure it out. I could not figure out why. What is going on? What is happening? I am... Um, was kind of processing this with my wife. And as I was talking about it, I started saying things like, I think I was afraid. This is so irrational. I was afraid she's going to become a terrorist. I'm afraid she's going to grow up to be a juvenile delinquent if she doesn't know how to obey. I, I was afraid that maybe she doesn't really love me because if she really loved me, she would wouldn't she do what I said? I was afraid that I actually have no control over a three-and-a-half-year-old. And my anger was, once again, about my fear. As I was thinking about my message, I started wondering, a three-and-a-half-year-old does not have this vocabulary, but if she did, if I could have listened, if I could have had the opportunity to say to a three-and-a-half-year-old, Frankie, tell me more, I think it would have sounded different than what I thought. I guess I was thinking she would go, Poppy, I want to be a terrorist and a juvenile delinquent and go to prison for the rest of my life. Poppy, I don't love you, so I'm going to do what I want. I think maybe what she would have said is, Poppy, I like being at your house. It's kind of like being on vacation, because at my house there are more rules. Poppy, I'm so excited about being here, it's really hard for me to settle down. And later as I was talking to my daughter about it, what I learned was I had, I had not implemented one of the things that she uses every night to go to bed, and I had forgotten that Frankie does really well when everything stays the same. And I had left out a big piece of story time. If I could have only listened. I am grateful 
that the Scriptures are good news for us. That the Word has and is saving us. The Word in the person of our Lord Jesus, but also the Word in what has been written for us. You see, I really do want to love people. I really do want to love Frankie and April and Carla. See, as I read the Word and I evaluate my own life, I remember that in 55 years, I have never won a single argument. Not one. Not one time have I stopped, quit listening, spoken up, become angry, and had somebody in the middle of that go, oh, thank you so much. I want to hug you. Not once has that happened. You see, I can sometimes reverse engineer the Scriptures. You see, if I'm angry, I can begin to figure out, am I angry? It's often because I started talking, and it's often because I was not willing to just listen. Yeah, I believe this is very simple, but I don't believe it's easy. So I didn't intend to give you a, a simple message where you could just you know, write, it, write it on a little bumper sticker and, and somehow assume that that's all, because I know that our story intersects with that. And that's why each week, each piece is connected to the biggest story. That we are being loved by the only God there is. And it's always good news. And in fact, He doesn't require anything of me but to relax or submit or surrender or to let go. And so each week, we, we are reminded. It is the thing that Jesus said. that he would put into place because we know that we forget. And so each week as we experience this, or more than once a week, or however often you do it, you remember, oh yeah, I'm not God. And I don't have to be in control. And it never works out when I am. But when he is God and I submit to that and I receive the broken body, I can be healed. I can't heal myself. Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. And this is my blood which is juice. I always forget. They both look white to me. Okay. This is juice. This is um, the blood of Christ will be manifest in juice in the white cups and wine in the brown cups. 
I love that Jesus said, this is the new covenant. I always hear that as, I, I, got, a, I got a better deal for you, a new deal, a, a new way to relating. Your instincts are, it's all about you. It's all on you. You got to work harder, be smarter, get more power. But Jesus says, I have a, I have a new covenant. And it's really not new, but it's new in the way we've heard it. You see, it's all about me. This is the blood of the new covenant, and it's shed for you. When you eat his body and you drink his blood, you are being saved again and again. And again, we are being rescued. We're being rescued from us. The tyranny of being our own God. So as you come, I would invite you to receive His love. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Amen.